All right, everybody, welcome back. We are in the eighth session talking about uh, reflecting the king. Uh, if you're new here, uh, go back uh, to the start of this. Go back seven episodes and at least listen to the first three before you listen to this one. Um, you'll find the foundation uh, of which this lesson is built upon. So, man, I got to tell you that this one here is uh, very near and dear to my heart. And if it's uh, if I'm talking about uh, one of the most powerful mindsets that uh, has really uh, transformed my life, this is going to be uh, the one that's at the top. And you'll see what I'm talking about as I go along. And uh, accepting and, and adopting this belief system uh, has radically changed my life uh, in so many ways. And um, it's just a powerful, powerful reality. So the one point that I want to drive home is this, is that reflecting the king is a reflection of his love. Okay. Now, uh, I grew up inside of a uh, hyper uh, charismatic uh, Pentecostal type uh, environment. Inside of that environment, there's a lot of talking to devils and demons. Uh, there's a lot of prayer going on in 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 uh, strong declaration to them, and all these different things. And so it was the it was the night after uh, of the Haiti disaster, and we were in a prayer meeting. And uh, this guy was uh, praying. He was uh, praying uh, vocally. He wasn't you know praying in his mind. He was uh, saying it out loud. And this uh, brother was um, was a, one of the spiritual giants in the church, uh, as far as like maturity level, and and everybody looked up to him and stuff like that. And his prayers went along the lines of, um, "God, God, why would you do this?" And that is to say that he was attributing the the disaster uh, to God, and that God was the source of pain inside of these people's lives. And he said, he, he went on to pray uh, in that fashion that the um, God, God, turn back your, your, your fierce anger and, and don't do this to these people and all of these different things. And, um, you know, as I heard the prayer, I was saddened. Uh, I was, I was sad by the fact that, um, that something of uh, great uh, pain and devastation uh, was attributed uh, to God and that we needed to talk to him to stop him from doing this very painful thing uh, in these people's lives. Now, the same thing happened inside of the uh, September 11th attack, and that is to say that immediately after uh, people were saying uh, they pulled up scriptures. I will destroy your towers and and stuff like that. And they correlated it to the judgment of God upon America and that God was uh, destroying our towers uh, to teach us uh, some sort of lesson. Right. And so one thing that we got to understand is this is that the great deception is that attributing um, the things that happen in this world that take place uh, uh, either by uh, by nature and or by uh, the will of the enemy and then taking those things into begin to attribute those things uh, as acts of God or that God is personally uh, doing these things. And that is to say that, you know, we know for sure. And this we absolutely know for sure about God, that he will not destroy the righteous with the wicked, right? And so we look at the the towers, uh, 
And we know all the stories of faith that came from there. And we know all the, uh, um, that people of faith lost their life and that people of faith were devastated uh, by the loss of their loved ones, right? And so that is to say, if God was bringing uh, judgment upon America, then he would be destroying the righteous with the wicked. And therefore, um, he would no longer be operating in his love. Okay. And this is the ultimate thing that I want to get to is that we have accepted belief systems and doctrines and, and interpreted events and all these different things. But if it doesn't go through the lens of love, if it doesn't uh, correlate and align with scriptures, then that belief should be set aside and it should not be adopted. Okay. Cause God would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. It would be unloving to do uh, something similar to that. And that would make God out to be, uh, in fact, evil and in fact, uh, Satan himself, right? And that's the ultimate delusion. So the scripture says this in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear, dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given us an example, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma so here we're encouraged to walk in love as christ also has loved us all right so let's look at these different translations before we jump in the amplified version says this and walk continually in love that is value one another practice empathy and compassion unselfishly seeking the best for others mm is powerful, powerful definition of love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering, a sweet smelling savor, uh, became a sweet fragrance. The Amplified Version says this, therefore be imitators of God, copy him, follow his example, as well beloved children imitate their father. The CEV translation, do as God does. After all, you are his dear children. NIV, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And the DRB translation says, be ye therefore followers of God as most dear children. So in that, in all of these different translations, we get, we get a breakdown of what is actually being said. And that is to follow God's example, to do what he does, to begin to imitate him. That means to copy and to follow his example. And that is the whole theme and, and the message of this entire series is that we would grab hold of the fact that, that God is not merely satisfied with us understanding what he done for us. And that is all the benefits of our salvation, right? but that he wants to begin to manifest his mission and his character and his purpose on the inside of us. And so that is a, a that is an imitation that is copying him, that is following him, that is echoing him. And that is the reality of saying the same thing that he says. We grab a hold of his paradigm, his view and opinion, and we begin to echo that paradigm, that view and opinion inside of the world. This is what ultimate uh, alignment uh, with God looks like. So to do as God does. 
Now, with the example of what I gave at the beginning of um, God destroying towers to teach people a lesson and knowing and understanding that they were righteous with the wicked. Now, if God uh, did that, right, then he would be quite unjust uh, to judge people that uh, that uh, were his children and to bring uh to bring such pain upon their lives and to, and to do, do that, that would classify him as, as very evil. Right. And that is to say that when we're talking about being imitators of God and copying him and following his example, that if he would do such monstrosities, uh, then we are free to copy him and follow his example and do the same monstrosities. Right. Because the ultimate pattern of which we are to walk in is to copy our father, imitate our father, just like a child imitates. And so we got to ask ourselves, what does that imitation look like? What does that representation look like? And the best thing that I can direct you to is the life of Christ. And that is he, he came to this world. He showed us uh, what his uh, what God looks like inside of word, that is the things that he spoke, and inside of character, that is everything that was within, inside of mission, everything that flowed out of him. So conduct, character, behavior, everything. He showed us what God looked like. And so when the disciples said, uh, hey, do you want us to call down fire from heaven like uh, Elisha did, right? or Elijah did, or in reference to an Old Testament judgment, do you want us to, to do this thing? And he said to them that you don't know what kind of manner of spirit that you are of, that the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so that is the same mindset is that it's being propagated in the world today that God wants to inflict this pain and this judgment, all these different things, and that he would, uh, in a sense, uh, couple the righteous with the wicked and destroy them both together. And that's just not, not a reality, right? So break down these words, imitators. Uh, this means to mimic. It means to resemble. It means to follow closely. It means to follow as a pattern, a model, an example. And that is to say this, that um, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the pattern to follow. Uh, he's the one that we're supposed to closely follow. His example, his relationship to the Father, how he acted, how he behaved, and everything. And this is why it's so important to get into the, the gospels and see Jesus as he really was and see, uh, the, the reflection of the invisible God in him, we see, and also in him living, uh, inside of us is what allows us to begin to manifest those same things to the world. So resemble, follow closely, follow the pattern. He is the model. He is the example. And this example is one of love. Now, this love is the uh, disposition to do good. It comes from a, a, a heart of compassion and a sense of warm heartedness that God himself is love and that he has a, a, a warm hearted disposition and that he wills to do good. He wants to do you good. Now, one of the biggest lies and deceptions is that God is our problem. 
And that is what bugged me so much about this guy's prayer and, and talking to uh, uh, about the Haiti disaster and that God was uh, God was their problem and that uh, this weird concept and this mindset that, that we need to talk God out of doing people harm. That is a, a, a fallacy. It has its concept in some uh, some of the Old Testament things, but it's a misunderstanding of what it is that we are we are called to do. So this disposition to do good, this is the challenge. This is the challenge of every atheist. Because if God is not good, then we could just disregard him. Uh, because he doesn't have uh, good intentions. He's not a benevolent uh, uh, God. Uh, his disposition is not to do good and he's not warm hearted, right? And so every attack of the atheist is, uh, is that God doesn't exist. And the reason why he doesn't exist is because he's not good, right? Either he's, he, he doesn't exist and or he's not good. And the reason is, is because they attribute uh, acts of, uh, of nature and they attribute acts of men and all these different things uh, to be uh, a correlation from the hand of God. And that is, he's not the giver of good gifts. That he is not good and beloved at heart in his disposition is not to do humanity good. And that is the attack is on the goodness of God. And I would, uh, uh, I would say also that the attack is taking place strongly inside of the people of faith. The problem, here's the problem, is that the world is not seeing God as uh, love, as a, uh, a being of disposition that wants to do us good. And the church world is not seeing God as love. And it comes from a couple different sources. The first one is angry legalistic preachers that heap on guilt and condemnation and they use fear to manipulate and to control and they hang hell over people so they can get them to conform. That is one of the biggest uh, reasons why God is not seen as love. The other one is, is that we're not because of those realities and because of different things that we're not beholding and seeing the love of God. That is to say that we're not, we're not seeing it. We're not looking at everything that God has done for us and all the benefits of our salvation. And we're not appropriating those things, which means we're not grabbing them. We're not claiming them as ours. And therefore we're not seeing uh, or experiencing a God of love. And the reality is if we have this legalistic, angry uh, uh, preachers that are saying that this is this is the love of God, and then we begin to take that to heart, then we are we are not experiencing a God of love. Now, on the flip side, we have the libertine gospel that's uh, attached more to the liberal communities, but it's the the concept and idea of a, of a license to sin. And the love inside of that uh, system is a very uh, codependent. It's a very uh, ooey gooey kind of love, and it's 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 very uh, permissive uh, type of love. And this we see both of these manifested, as I uh, I've talked about previously, inside of fatherhood. And that is, do we have an angry, aggressive father? 
who wants to beat us down? Or do we have a permissive father who, um, who just wants to be our friend, right? And in here, we see the two extremes uh, manifested. And that is one of the main problems why we're not, not walking in love or not experiencing a God of love. Because if it's this ooey gooey, permissive, codependent kind of love, then we get caught up in a false love. If it's this angry, uh, uh, demanding, overbearing uh, kind of uh, system, then in both of these, we're going to leave us loveless. And that is, we're not going to experience uh, the reality of the kingdom. We're not going to experience his acceptance, his approval and everything. And that is one of the main biggest problems. And it's attached to this also that we're not walking in love. Now, that is the the ultimate conclusion of experiencing uh, any type of these systems that begin to indoctrinate us into what God's love is. It ultimately manifests that we become like the God that we believe in. We follow his example. We follow his pattern. And we end up being this codependent, ooey gooey uh, kind of love that doesn't really help people, right? We're just passing out needles or we're, we're doing these uh, humanistic things that don't actually solve the problem, don't actually free people, and don't give people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, I'm not saying that some of these acts and behaviors are not good. I'm not saying that humanitarian, humanitarian efforts don't have their place. But what I'm saying is that when we get caught up and wrapped up in all this ooey gooey kind of love that we think that we're being pro, uh, part of the solution, but we're actually becoming part of the problem. And that is that we cripple people and we enable people and we should never do for somebody what they can and should do for themselves. Right. We steal away their responsibility. We steal away their efficacy. We steal away their their uh, the word of God that comes to them and, and causes them to uh, rise up and to act in faith, right? And so we see either system doesn't help us to walk inside of love. And lastly, the, the problem is that the disposition uh, to do harm. And that is if God is our source of pain, then we will have uh, this disposition to do harm that comes from him first because he has a desire to do us harm. And then it will flow through us to have that same disposition to uh, begin to harm others. Now, the word says this, don't be deceived or don't err, my beloved brethren. What that means is don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Don't allow the world to trick you. Don't allow doctrines that contrary to this. Don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no variableness or neither shadow of turning. What is, what is being said here? That there's going to be massive deception, that God has a disposition to do harm, and that, uh, um, that he is, uh, his uh, anger and his fury is is um is what needs to be experienced and it's very rigid and it's very legalistic and it causes us to behave uh in the same manner that we have the disposition to do harm now the pain involved with this it's the pain of selfishness there's so much uh pain involved when people are selfish and they're unloving there's the pain of not seeing God as he really is. And that is to say, if God is love 
and he that loves knows God and dwells with God and all that different stuff. It, it is attachment to the very character and the nature of God. And that is to say, if there's anything uh, that seems uh, contrary to love, and I'm talking about real love, I'm not talking about fake ooey gooey love. You see, on the permissive side is a father that won't correct. That is, you know, I just want to be your friend, you know, uh, all of this stuff. And they live their lives vicariously through their children. And they're so intermingled and connected in their life. And it's just this, this weirdness, right? And that is to say they wouldn't bring any form of correction because they don't, you know, they want to be their friend. They're very permissive. There's no standards. And so the thought and idea of God uh, being a assertive father and bringing a correction into inside of our life that uh, this is actually uh, comes from the nature of love and this is connected to the reality about who he is and that he will bring that course correction now on the aggressive father side you know they they portray god as a very punitive and that is every little thing he's looking to punish you and he's looking to whoop you and all these different things and that's not uh, uh, attached to the assertive nature of the father that would bring course correction to his children that's in a very aggressive uh, form of legalistic idea right so the pain of all this is not seeing god as love and it's not seeing God as he really is. And that is if there's any manifestation of wrath, it's coming from a place of love. It's impossible for God to act uh, contrary to his nature. And that is if he is love and his revelation of himself is love. If you see wrath manifested, it's because or springing from the source of love. Now, would love get wrathful? Absolutely. Absolutely, love would get wrathful. You try messing with uh, somebody's kids uh, whom they love, right? And try to do pain and stuff uh, to their kid. You will, you will find a wrath that's motivated by love. And uh, God uh, uh, will operate in this in the future when everybody pledges allegiance to the world and its system and they begin to persecute and to kill his children. You're going to see the ultimate wrath manifestation from the love that he has uh, for his people. Now, if we're uh, inside of this pain of selfishness, of not seeing God as he really is, uh, then ultimately what it is is that we're part of this problem that's taking place in society. And ultimately what this is is a lukewarmness. And that is we got we got some rigid tendencies and we got some liberalistic tendencies and we're just kind of lukewarm. Or, you know, we have uh, uh, all these mixed views and opinions about God and it's not based upon uh, him being love. So what's the possibility in all this? Where does God want to take us? Because we thoroughly, we thoroughly see the problem. Uh, we see the pain uh, that it is causing. And what's God's solution? See, God is love. In 1 John uh, 4, 16, it says this, And we know and believe the love that God has for us. That God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So, the manifestation of this principle is attached to what I've already spoken to you, and I, and I feel like I have to speak it over and over and over again because um, you need to grab a hold of this reality. 
And that is, I experience his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness, and all of these different things. And the uh, forgiveness of my sins, the the entrance into the kingdom, the uh, identity of sonship, the place and seat at the royal table, uh, called to be a a priest uh, for God in this world and, and his ambassador and his friend and all of these different things that, that God has shed and bestowed his love upon me, even though I didn't deserve them. Right. And that I was bopping along in my sin and living in it and playing in the mud and the pig pen and all these different things. And he called me out of the, the, the dirt and the mire and he picked me up and, and cleaned me off and gave me a new heart, a new spirit, a new life, all these different things. And so what does that produce? It produces an amazing sense of gratitude. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the life that God's given me. I'm so grateful for the revelation, the inspiration that he places within my soul. I'm so grateful for the nuggets of truth that he gives me that, that, uh, that I, 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 I chew on and I feed upon it. And then I, I, I get the opportunity to, to come and to deliver it to people. I'm grateful for that love. And so the manifestation of real, really, uh, love is not the struggle to be more loving. It's to behold the king of love and to experience that. And, and I have to point this out because it's, it's, it's a dangerous concept. And that is to, to know about God, but not to experience God. And that is to say that uh, it's all an intellectual pursuit. And that is that I can read about all the attributes of God, and the ones that are uh, inherently his and the ones that are communicable and, and all these different things and have the knowledge of his attributes and not experience the reality of those attributes. And that is, you know, I can know and understand that God is love or I can and, and, and I can uh, hold on to it and experience it. And it becomes a reality in my heart. You see, for truth, grab a hold of this for truth to become concrete that is written on your heart and set in stone. That truth has to be coupled with experience and it has to be coupled with a, a, a sense of uh, an emotional attachment to it. We are emotional creatures. And that is that we're not so just supposed to be f uh, uh, fed intellectually. That that truth is supposed to sink down into a heart level, right? And that is God is love. And then I begin to contemplate, like, in what ways has God been loving to me? What, in what ways have I experienced the awesome love of God? And, you know, and then letting it sink down, answer that question, read it and experience it. And you begin to attach emotion to it. And that reality becomes concrete on your heart. And because you know, God is love because you have experienced a God that loves you. And his truth is manifested in your heart. 
man, I'm sick of people uh, displaying Christ-likeness as a as an example to follow, and that we got a WWJD, and that is like we gotta try to uh, to measure up to these standards, and they take uh, all these legalistic tendencies and they put it on the Christ-likeness, and uh, that's not the gospel that I'm I'm talking about. I'm talking about experiencing the reality and the love of God that you're able to carry that love out to others. And here's the reality of this. So if God is love, that is to say that in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that talks about love, God's character and attributes are a manifestation of all of those traits. And that is that God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not demand his own way. God is not irritable. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not rejoice about injustice. God rejoices whenever truth wins out. God never gives up. God never loses faith. God, ne- God is always hopeful. God endures through every single circumstance. So you see, all of this is a manifestation of what God is. Now, the lies are this that they take these opposite attributes and to begin to ascribe them to God. And that is God is very impatient. God is very impatient. I want you to think about this, that if the, the nature of God is love and love is patient, then what would be the nature of the opposite? Uh, that would be evil and the satanic influence, right? And so whenever we accept the lie about the attributes of God and we ascribe to him uh, behaviors and activities that Satan would do, I I bet uh, Satan is just up there cutting a rug, man. He is laughing. He's like, I got him duped again. And the sad reality is in in a lot of uh, religious uh, systems, when the veil is removed, they'll be like, man, we've been worshiping Satan all along. And they'll become this just uh, a shameful reality of uh, of deception that they've uh, that they've experienced a God that wasn't God this whole time. Right. So the lie is God is impatient. And if he is impatient, um, if we have this view and concept, we will experience a God who is impatient with us. And that is to say this, that he's, he's always frustrated with us. That's what impatient is. It's like, man, I can't, I, you can't get this right. Uh, this is all I've done for you. And this is the love that you give back to me. Like, what am I going to do with you? I'm like, you know, and this is this very frustrated, impatient experience that we have with God because of the paradigm that we've believed and that we have received. And it's coming out of that lie and out of that paradigm and beginning to uh, see and understand that God is love and therefore God is patient. And that if I begin to experience things that are contrary to this, I come back to the truth that I know that God is love and that I'm going to experience uh, his patient, uh, patientness inside of my life. And that means he He's going to foster me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to support me. He's going to help carry me along. He's going to give me wisdom. And all of these things are available to me uh, because he is a, a, a patient God. 
Now, I don't have time to uh, touch on every single one of these, um, but with every uh, truth, there is a falsehood. And that is, if God is not kind, then he is cruel. And that's the modality that we have to accept if he destroys the righteous with the wicked. It's also the mentality that we have to accept if we believe that God is in control of everything. And that is that he guides the hand of the abuser to abuse women. He, he, he guides the, the organ of the, of the sexual predator to, to do harm. And that's the ultimate conclusion we have to come to if God is in control of everything. And that is to, uh, it denies the fact that there is an evil one and that that evil intentions are being played out that are contrary to the will of God. And that is his will can be manifested inside of his people that yield to him. And that's why we're told to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And that is that we are aligning ourselves with the will of God so it can be carried out inside of our lives and inside of our families and inside of our communities that the will of God begin to be manifest because the will of God is not uh, played out on people that won't uh, submit and yield to that process. So if God is in control of every minute detail means that he's causing abusers to do these things. And that once again makes God cruel. And it's, it's the very nature of evil itself. You see, God is kind or God is cruel. He can't be both. And the deceptions continue on. God envies. God brags. God is arrogant. God demands his own way. Now, when we have a deity that says, um, I'll share my glory with no man. And that is to say that um, he, he demands... Uh, uh, glory and, and it almost seems like because he has a hole in himself that uh, uh, that demands to be worshipped uh, because he's like insecure or something and that's the actual uh, definition of evil uh, that uh, is actually the attribute of Satan that he uh, became uh, uh, enamored in his greatness and seen how great he is and wanted to uh, to be worshipped. And that is the the nature of Satan himself. And inside of the kingdom, we have this powerful reality that this glorious king has invited us to participate inside of his kingdom. And the glory that, that Jesus had and that, that's in the Father, and it, it, this glory is transferred to us. And even in the Old Testament, it says, I'll give you grace and I'll give you glory. And so this idea of this glory, this weight, this presence, and all of these different things inside of the family, he says, I'm sharing that with you. So you could partake of this glory. So you could be inside of this glorious kingdom. So you can have the king of glory living inside of your life. This is not some egotistical being that demands uh, to be worshipped because he's got some hole in his heart. Okay. God demands his own way. God is easily angered. God keeps score. God rejoices in injustice. I need to talk about this keep score thing. Because... Uh, keeping score that is ultimately used for um, 
manipulation and used for uh, uh, extortive uh, means, right? And that is if some powerful person was uh, keeping score and that is tracking your every wrong, um, they would uh, they would do that um, to use that information to get you to extort you or to manipulate you or to get you to do certain things. And saying that God is love and that he keeps no record of wrong. And that is to say that we who are inside of the kingdom and are part of his family or in his uh, in his fold, in his kingdom, that we are uh, recipients of love. In fact, it says that we will not come under judgment, but we will uh, we will have the life, right? And that is to say that when we meet him, he's not going to bust out the list of every single thing that we've done wrong so we can bow our head in shame and be remorseful and be in a, a state of pain. People often think this. Now, this is not to say that we won't... Uh, uh, be accountable for for things that we've done or that we won't be rewarded in, in the good things pointed out. It's not to say that, but the thing, this God that keeps score and keeps a list of every single wrong when the Bible says that he has cast our sins for as far as the east is from the west and that they're never to be remembered again and that he's not keeping track of your every single failure. All right, so God, re, a God that rejoices in injustice, <laughs> a God that rejoices in lies. These are all false ideas of God that are contrary to the love that we just written, right? That that God will give up on you, that God will lose uh, faith in you, that uh, God thinks that you're a hopeless case, that God will abandon you and stop protecting you. All of these are attached to a God that is not love. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is this. When we have experienced his love, and that is his acceptance that, that takes us out of the kingdom of darkness, puts us in the kingdom of light, and we experience that radical acceptance where we now have his approval, and we have entered inside of the kingdom, and we got access to his kindness, to his mercy, to his healing, and that is the restoration of, of our soul and all the traumatic experience and all the triggers and all the pain and all that stuff that he begins to to heal those places and we begin to experience his powerment that is the power to say no to things that uh, are detrimental to me and the power to say yes to things those that empower me with life and he gives me forgiveness and he's patient with me because he knows that uh, I'm in this process and in this journey of learning how to walk and he says you know what I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways and I'm going to create and make you what you ought to be when we experience all that you know what we get? The power to be and to do the same. And this is why he said, go and do likewise. That he gave us a mission that is focused on bringing healing to this world. And we can because we know and experience the love of God personally. And we're beholding the king of love. And that love transforms us at a heart level. That because God is patient with me, I can be patient with others. Because God is kind to me, I can be kind to others. You see how this works? Because 
God is freeing because God is, uh, God loves me and because he'll never give up on me and, and all these different things that I can begin to manifest the same to others. God is saying, everything that I have been and done to you, let that be the power and strength and source for you to go and do likewise and carry this to other people. Powerful, powerful reality. You see why I love this message so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Peace.